But if a stepmom says they don't like their stepkid, girl, they're going to burn you at the stake. It's totally true. You know what? Honestly, it is. It's another like witch hunt, isn't it? You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, that rhymes. <laughs> Feel free to use it. Are you a poet and didn't know it? Today I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we haven't asked for reviews in a while, and um, it's about that time. Yeah, we need reviews on our podcast. Yep, and some sometimes people say, well, what's the whole big deal about reviews? And there's a couple of things about it, and you know, I won't lie. Part of it's because we like reading the reviews and we like knowing that people are finding value in what we're doing. Um, and so that's part of it. The other part of it is it does help other people to find it because as they type in things in their podcast player, um, these algorithms look for you know the most popular podcast to put in their podcast feed. So if you like the podcast and you find it valuable and you think other people can benefit from it, then leaving reviews helps that to happen. So you're doing your part to help other people by leaving reviews. Right. So here's how you can do that. You can go to iTunes, uh, which actually it's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. So go to uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You can leave a review there. Uh, If you listen on Spotify, you can leave a review. Uh, Pretty much anywhere that you're listening to the podcast, you can leave a review there. Uh, Some of them are easier for us to find than others. Um, so like, for example, Spotify and, and Apple, uh, they feed into our, um, website and some of the other things we use to track that stuff. Uh, but anyway, leave, uh, leave a review and, um, share it out. If you know somebody who could benefit from it. That's right. Something else we hadn't done in a while is we hadn't read any of these. So pulled these up before we started. Mm-hmm. And, uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody who left a review. And I'll just start, um, just pick a place. So uh, we have Court Court 86. Court the, Court. Woo! Yep, which, you know, maybe it's Courtney or maybe it's a lawyer. Maybe it's a judge. I don't know. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, this person says, um, I have felt so alone for all these years. It felt so good to know I am not alone. I have cried myself to sleep many nights thinking I was crazy and a bad person. Thank you for giving me light. See, this makes me sad. I mean, I'm glad that she, you know, was finding the podcast helpful, but oh, it just makes me sad that these stepmoms feel like they're all alone and they're crying themselves to sleep. And oh, it just breaks my heart. Yep. Because I used to be one of you. Yeah, I know. And that was before there were podcasts to listen to about all this. Yeah. And I didn't just cry myself to sleep. I cried all day long. And I'm not a crier. <laughs> you sitting out on the porch crying. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you were a porch crier. So Court Court 86, we are glad that you found us. Yep. And that is helping you. Yes. I am glad as well. So brings us to our next one. And this one's entitled Too Long. And this is from 12 Less 12. So this person writes, I like the concept. I've read the blogs. I've heard them on Stepmomming Podcast, which I'm assuming is me and you. Uh, So I was excited for their podcast, but every episode is almost two hours long. And so much of it is just banter and chatting and non-substantive. I didn't have the attention span to get through them. So, you know, um, 
I'll be honest, I didn't probably start listening to podcasts until after we'd been doing this about six months. <laughs> yeah. And I told David, I said, I just don't have the attention span. You know, I'll try to listen to them and I'm riding on the road. And I'm like, oh, tree. And anyway, I started listening to YouTube videos and it didn't take long before I was able to focus on listening to it. I guess I just had to get used to it mm-hmm. because I'm more of a reader than I am a listener. Well, I've got podcasts I listen to a lot, and there's a couple tricks I use for this. One is I speed it up. I listen to almost every audiobook and podcast at at least 1.5 speed. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. When I edit our podcast, if I start off at 2, I have trouble understanding everything. Mm -hmm. But if I start at 1.5 and then, you know, 10 minutes later go to 2, it's easier for me. Okay. So that's my first trick, and I do that uh, on almost everything because if it's kind of a slow going book or podcast, I want you know I want it to speed up a little bit, and so that's one one thing I do. The other is if I'm listening to a podcast and they got things in the beginning that I don't particularly care to listen to, like uh, non substantive banter, <laughs> then I just skip it. I just you know keep pressing the fast forward thing until I'm at the part I want to listen to. So there's a couple of tricks for you, 12 less 12, if you want to do that. And uh, and that'll help you out. Well, and David, I remember when we started talking about the podcast, one of the questions I asked you was, how long do we need to make these? Mm-hmm. And we did some research and, you know, basically we came to the conclusion of as long as they need to be. Yep. And we've also found that having the guest on the podcast it takes a while for these people to warm up. Most of them are not professional podcast people. Mm-hmm. They are normal people like you and me that um, are sharing You're their normal. Sto- I am normal. <laughs> well, we're going to pretend I'm normal. <laughs> so they're sharing their story, and it takes them a little while to get rid of that nervousness and open up. Yeah. I mean, what they're doing is putting it out there for the world, you know? So, And we've also bit. talked about the banner because um, it's funny the conflicting views that we have on that. Yeah, because if you if you go back and look at some of our reviews, people are like, "We love the banner. We love how y'all make us laugh and everything." So it's yeah, some people love it and some people hate it, and that's just the way it is. But luckily, you can fast forward through that part if you don't like it. Yep, true that. But I'll tell you what, this is the promise I'll make to you: if you don't like the podcast, then please email me, and I will double your money back. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> money back guarantee. If you do not like the podcast. We will send you your money back. Yep. For every every penny you pay for this episode, we will reimburse it times two. I think one of my favorite <laughs> ones is um, the lady, I forget what we were bannering about, um, but she's like... Is that the one that spit her coffee all over the windshield? Yeah. And then there was the one that said she peed on herself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, you know, we know that the banner may be completely off topic, but some people get insight in that too. Yeah. Well, there's, I don't want to go all into it, but there's reasons why we have the format we have and we do it the way we do it. And I'm not going to get into all the reasons why, but there's a reason we do it the way we do it. So, And I do it because David tells me to. Yep. <clears throat> That's it. So, But, but to the point of the length of the podcast, um, you know, there are podcasts out there that are, that are 10 minutes every episode. And there are podcasts that are four to six hours per episode. Mm-hmm. You'll find them everywhere in between. And there are some podcasts that are 10 minutes long that they lose me in 30 seconds. 
Mm-hmm. And then there are podcasts that are four hours long that I'm tied to the entire four hours. So, you know, and every, and every episode is not going to be that for you. So if you're a listener, you might listen to one episode and it's like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And the next one, like, oh, it's kind of boring or vice versa. It's, they're not all going to be something that, you know, resonates with you and you find amazing, but just stick in there. The few that I've listened to, I've noticed within the first 15 minutes of the actual interview, I can tell if it's going to keep my attention or not. Of our podcast or somebody else's? Somebody else's. Yeah. It's probably the same way with ours. Yeah. So. Well, of course. Yeah. They have to be interesting to listen to. Yeah. So. so but we have some tricks that we do in post-editing too. Like we, t- we cut out a good bit of dead space when we're just kind of thinking about what to say <laughs> so that the listeners don't have to deal with that. Right. And I cut out a lot of the ums. Yep. All right. So let's jump to another one. So this one is by... Uh, Cinnamon B. Huh? How about that? We mentioned Cinnamon B in a prior podcast. Yeah, Cinnamon B was one of the winners for our Nacho Kids scholarship. Yeah, I know. So, um, so she left a review. So let's see what it says. Uh, eye opener is the title. This is an absolute eye opener for me. I've been taking the hard road for so long with my stepkids, and I'm so happy that I think I've found the light at the end of the tunnel with this profoundly insightful podcast that Lori. And Doug have created. (laughs) I just want to thank them for sharing their story and helping others navigate the world of blending a family. All right. So, Laura, you got to explain to me who this Doug guy is. David, I can't tell you everything. (laughs) I think you got some explaining to do, Lucy. No, no, no. (laughs) No, I'm not explaining Uh, nothing. That's funny. What's so funny is anytime somebody says, oh, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, my response used to be prior to Nacho was be careful. It's an oncoming train. Yeah. <laughs> now it is the light of the Nacho. <laughs> yep. I also think it's funny that oftentimes when we're uh, going to interview somebody, they're like, Hey, Lori, it's so nice to meet you. And then you'll say something like David's here too. And they're like, Hey, David. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I noticed the um, lady we talked to, it wasn't an interview, but we were just talking to her the other day. And um, she was like, hey, Lori, da, 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 you know, whatever. And then um, she said, is David there too? And you were like, yeah, I'm here or something like that. She's like, hey, David. You know, yeah. it's like she completely <laughs> just calmed down. I think I remind all the women about the people they're with. And so they all the aggravation they have with their significant other, they look at me at the same way. <laughs> no, I think what it is is they're scared to say anything to you because they know you will use it against them. They've seen what you do to me. No. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on. Thanks, yep. thanks, uh, guys, gals, for the interview. Or not for the interview, for the um, <laughs> review. And uh, hope we get some more. And we'll read those again. And uh, so if you want to... See some of the reviews. If you go to our podcast page, so nachokids.com slash podcast, and scroll to the bottom, all of our reviews uh, show up there. So you can uh, check those out if you want to read what other people are saying about it. And we probably need to have another contest to get more reviews. So I'll be working on that. Okay. All right. So let's talk about our guest today. All right. Let's do it. Our guest today is Allie Wilkes. Hey, I know Allie. You know Allie. Yep. Allie's business is Step Coupling. All right. And we have worked with Allie before on a few things, and she's in a mastermind group that we're in, Mm -hmm. and she just cracks me up. Before I tell you anything about her, I do want to say that as I was editing this podcast, I'm like, what is that weird noise? I think it's a ghost. And for those of you that don't know, basically, when you edit a podcast, you line up the speaker and the interview person, and that's it. Well, this sound was coming probably uh, a second after 
I would talk and while she was talking. So I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, oh gosh, we're going to have to record this over. This is horrible. We can't have bad quality. And then probably 20 minutes into it, I figured it out. Somehow or another, and David can probably tell me the technicalities of it, when I would say something, I guess there was a delay and we would hear it on her end. Mm -hmm. Only certain words. So when you listen to this podcast and you think there's a ghost (laughs) or there's this weird funky sound that sounds like somebody's talking over top of her or that there's a bad connection for just a second, that's what it is. And I can't edit that out because then I'd have to remove what she said. (laughs) That's funny. But we didn't want to re-record because it is a good podcast and it's not that bad. It's only in, I don't know, I'm going to say 17 places, I'm guessing at that. But anyway, I want to talk about Allie. Allie and her husband have been married for 13 years. She has three stepkids and two bio kids. She faced some of the challenges of the blend. Don't we all? Mm-hmm. She said it was a slow process bonding with the older stepson because they didn't visit regularly. Mm. I also think it's funny that Allie said before she started dating her future husband, she said that she would not date anybody that had kids and she would not date a police officer. And guess what? She ended up marrying a cop that had kids. (laughs) People never say never. It's almost like when you say, I will never do this. Somehow you are putting that in your future as I am going to do this. Yeah, that's funny. One of Allie's biggest struggles were with her stepdaughter. And we do talk about this a lot. It is proven that the stepmom struggles more with the relationships with stepkids than stepdads do with stepkids. Mm -hmm. But when you put a stepmom and a stepdaughter together, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you would have had four girls, David. I'd still be single. You probably would. (laughs) And one other um, thing that Allie went through was that the bio mom passed away about seven years ago. So she had to deal with that with the stepkids too. Mm, Yeah, it's got to be tough. Yep. And of course, Allie does not claim the stepkids as her own. So now that she has grandkids, the relationship's a little different. Mm. Yeah, we haven't got there yet. Yep. So let's quit bantering. Okay. (laughs) No more banter. No more banter. Let's get into the groove. All right. Before we do, here's a short word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Allie Wilkes. Hey, Allie, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Well, tell us a little bit about your blend. Um, how far do you want me to go back? <laughs> as far as you can go back, girl. Okay. Um, so um, my husband and I um, uh, got together about, wow, it's been 16 years. Uh, coming up on Easter, actually. Um, so uh, we were dating from about that time. Um, so 2004. 
2004, and I moved in with him in October 2005, and um, got married in 2007. Um, so when I first met him, his boys were uh, 18 and 16, and his daughter was 11. So three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had our own bio uh, girls. So I have now an almost 11 year old. So she was born in 2008. And then uh, our other bio daughter was born in 2010. And then guess what? I became a grandma. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So it really becomes uh, unique because I have um, my uh, oldest bio daughter is 11. And then the next uh, bio daughter is nine and then my grandson is seven and then my granddaughter is five so it makes a little bit of a funky uh sibling group with aunts and nieces and nephews <laughs> yeah you definitely have a unique blend there <laughs> yes I do yeah so yeah I just uh my stepchildren never lived with us uh the boys were older when we got together they kind of just just had their own kind of separate relationship with with my husband and uh, my stepdaughter did come um, for her access and visitation. And um, yeah, so they never lived with us. This was a bit of a unique situation in that regard. Mm-hmm. So how often did stepdaughter come for visitation and things like that? Uh, so she would come every other weekend and then he would be part of some of her uh, weekly kind of activities. Like uh, she had some music lessons and so he would take her to music lessons. So yeah, pretty much every other weekend she would be over for one night over. Um, and so it was kind of an open and flexible kind of arrangement for them. It was liberal access in their agreement. We're from Canada. So we do things a little bit different legal wise and it's a province to province kind of family, family court stuff. But anyway, um, so it was liberal access for um, for them, but it turned out to be pretty much every other weekend. So, mm-hmm. and with you coming in with the stepsons being, you know, a good bit older, mm-hmm. were you able to bond with them in the beginning? Yeah, I think it's kind of been just an ongoing process, uh, more so because they were quite a bit older, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't come really for visits other than when we were feeding them, you know, young men. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of how we got to know each other was them coming over and me cooking meals and, and, and whatnot. So um, now that, like I said, my husband and I have been together for uh, 16 years. um, I think like, you know, we're, we're family now, uh, but it was a bit of a slower process with them. And with my stepdaughter, it was a little bit different in that regard because she was over a lot more and it was easier to um, to make those uh, connections and build bonds. Right. Because you were around her more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those at, at that age, 16 and 18, they're kind of got their own identity. They're, you know, kind of sort of leaning towards launching. Well, the 18-year-old, they they ended up living with their mom for a while, like into, you know, their early mid twenties. But, um, and then once they partnered up, that's when they, um, they fled the nest, so to speak, or flew the nest, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I think part of the bonding also came with my boys because of their partners as well. So, um, that kind of helped facilitate that piece. Right. Like the like the women come in and say, "Hey, let's go hang out with her. She's awesome." Yep. Well, not not quite. 
there were some other dynamics that happened there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the oldest son, he, he was married and ended up getting divorced. So he's with a new partner and she's in a blended family herself. So she's got extended kind of blending going on with her family. Mm-hmm. And so she really gets it. So she and I, I feel like she and I jive each other with each other a bit better than his previous partner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's helped um, in terms of our relationship too, because she's really more open to family and different kind of versions of family. Right. And she's, because f- she's familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And she knows that, that it takes a little bit of extra effort when it comes to, um, you know, blending and extended family and uh, that type of stuff. So your grandkids, um, are they from the oldest stepson? No, middle. Okay. So he's, he's married. So um, he was married fairly young, about 22. Um, and um, he and his wife actually just moved to Australia about a year and a half ago because that's where she's originally from. So that's where they are right now. So we don't get to see them very often except for, you know, over Messenger or Skype or whatever it is that my husband uses. But that's the only way we've been connecting with him for about a year and a half now. Oh, I bet you miss those grandbabies. Yeah. My girls really miss them too because they had a really tight bond with them because we had them over here for sleepovers, you know, every once in a while and try to spend as much time as we could when they were little. So I think it's it's tough for them as well. Now, how do you feel as a grandmother, a step-grandmother? Do you feel that your bond with the grandchildren would be different if they were your own kids' kids? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it is different for sure. Um, and so I was kind of giggling a little bit about the dynamics. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an idea history wise with the dynamics so that you kind of have a, 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 an idea of what's happened. So, um, my stepdaughter, so, okay. So I'm going to go back a little bit further. Okay. Um, a little bit about me. I, uh, I'm a social worker. Um, and I went to school and did psychology, sociology, but I also have my master's degree in family studies. So I know quite a bit about, you know, different kinds of dynamics and life stages of families and, and, you know, getting to understand, um, you know, that not all families are nuclear families, obviously we live that. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so my master's degree was, was focusing on, um, was, was on family studies. So it's interesting because I knew very little about step families, you know, 16 years ago. Um, and um, I didn't really know anybody who was a step mom at the time. And so as I was going into my relationship with my husband, I thought, okay, I've worked with blended families, but I worked with blended families or step families in crisis because of the work that I was doing at the time. Cause I, I ended up working basically um, in child protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and from here in our local government, that's what I was doing. I was doing child protection for a number of years. Um, and so I thought I knew what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and that, yeah, I know, right? Anyway, so I thought I knew what I was getting myself into. And I said, oh, I can manage this. Um, and um, so I, I had some dating rules just to back up even a little bit further. And my dating rules were don't date a police officer. 
I was working with a lot of police officers in child protection. Mm-hmm. Don't date a divorced dad. Mm-hmm. And if I do break rule number two, don't date a divorced dad with a pre-adolescent daughter. Because I remember, uh, you know, how adolescence was for me. It was really tough. Mm-hmm. And I broke all of those rules because my husband is a retired police officer and had a pre-adolescent daughter at the time. And so my struggles actually weren't with his ex-wife. At the beginning, it was a little bit of a kind of weird figuring things out at the beginning of our relationship. After a while, she and I had a good relationship, um, but it was his his daughter, my stepdaughter that I had the biggest struggles with. So... Um, yeah, I I thought I knew how to handle that because of my work in, in social work and working and doing my research and family studies. That's my where my master's degree is. And I thought I could prepare for this. And I, I was not prepared in the way that I had hoped I would be. Um, so the biggest issues were uh, my struggles around uh, my relationship with my stepdaughter. And as a result of the, that... Um, my middle stepson, um, chose sides basically, which is, I get that, you know, that's family. So he was basically supporting her and her feelings about me and my place in the family. Mm-hmm. The oldest stepson, um, didn't really buy into any of that. He kind of tried to stay out of the, the dynamics as much as possible. Um, so as a result of that, my daughter, stepdaughter and I have healed. Uh, we went to family counseling for a few sessions. And uh, basically, there was a lot of assumptions that were made and in, in, in taking things a little bit too personally. Uh, but I never had that opportunity to repair with my middle son. So back to your question about, you know, grandchildren. Is it different? Absolutely, it's different. Um, and honestly, um, I, I would still say that I haven't claimed my stepchildren as my own just because of the age when I came in and some of the challenges in our step family dynamics in, in those, you know, earlier years. Mm-hmm. So the grandchildren as a result of me not claiming my uh, stepchildren and the age of my stepchildren, I've kind of tried to step back a little bit from my relationship with the grandchildren. Um, but at the same time, the heart always comes through. Right. So yes. yeah as much as I try not to step on any toes and claim them as my own, like I'm, I'm Noma, uh, not, not grandma is a short version for, for Noma or Noma is the short version for not, not grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to figure out a name that would feel comfortable, but they just ended up calling me Allie the way that their dad does. So, okay. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, for sure. It is different because I just, I was very cautious about the dynamics that were going on and just being mindful and respectful of that. But our grandkids don't see those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. They just know me as Allie and grandpa and they're full on because they, they were little, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I like the no ma thing. Mm-hmm. Well, part of it too was um, I was really ultra uh, aware that they already had a mom and then she was pretty good. She was pretty involved. She loved her kids and she had good relationships with her kids. Um, so I was always really mindful of, of her place. Um, and so unfortunately she passed away of cancer, uh, about seven years ago. Um, and so I still feel that that designation of grandma belongs to, uh, her out of respect. 
So the bio mom passed away seven years ago from cancer. Yeah, she had breast cancer. Oh. Yeah. How did that affect your relationship with the stepdaughter? Did it seem to make things easier with y'all or harder with y'all? I'd say harder. Yeah, because I think what happened, this is, I mean, this is just my opinion, right? I, right. And, and it makes sense because I did that too when my mother passed away, um, is that she kind of stepped in, not necessarily to take her place, but kind of in a lot of ways, the rules that her mother had, she took on. So she's kind of the hub, if that makes sense, the hub of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it did make things, it did, it made things harder because I, like I said, I had a good relationship with the bio mom or my husband's ex. And uh, she, I think she could have buffered things a little bit differently had she been around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or buffered or filtered things a little bit differently, you know, and I could have probably had conversations with her in terms of how do I move forward and make this a better situation. So, yeah. Stepdaughter was what, 20 ish when her mom died? 19. Actually, it was like, I think it was about two weeks before her 19th birthday that her mother passed away. So she was old enough to not have to come live with you at that point, too. Yes, correct. So she um, she ended up moving in straight with her boyfriend, who is now her fiancé. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess there's no ideal way for something like that to happen, but at no. least... You know, she wasn't 17 and couldn't mm-hmm. live on her own and then had to go live with y'all. Mm-hmm. You, you that been, yeah, that probably would have been really tough. And I'm pretty sure that was the reason why she chose what she chose. Right. Right. Because she, uh, she, I, I truly believe, had a hard time uh, with my girls being born. That was my next question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was some, there were some challenges around that. But I also found out through our therapy session, like a family therapy session, I found out um, part of the reason why she had felt that way. And um, so we were able to repair um, some of the perceptions or I guess maybe the better word would be misconceptions around that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I knew um, that as, as soon as we told the kids that I was pregnant after we got married, um, I think that's where the rubber started hitting the road in terms of the friction and relationship challenges. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, where it really started to to first appear, I would say. And do you think that's because, and I know, again, this is just speculation, but do you think that's because the kids feel like, oh, dad's starting a new family? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what was revealed um, in the therapy session is that you know, we just announced that we were doing it. It's not that they said that we uh, should have asked them for permission because hell no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they, I think they kind of felt left out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we were planning family and we didn't really include them in that discussion. And so um, I th- part of the other thing too, is that my husband and my stepdaughter, um, have a very close relationship. So, um, I think some of that was to do with, um, you know, here's a little bit, not necessarily competition. That's the easiest word I can use to describe that. Right. Um, but by no means that's really what it was, but, uh, um, you know, she was, you know, 
15 when um, my daughter was born and 15, that's a tough age in general, right? Trying to figure out who you are, where you fit in, Mm -hmm. what your identity is. And then dad marries a younger woman and they have a brand new baby. And that just kind of messes up the whole feng shui of family living, right? Right. Yeah. And, And she was a daddy's girl, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get it. I get it. I yeah. get it. And not that that's a bad thing, uh, but it just, it, I think, okay, so maybe the word to describe it was not intentionally feeling displaced, but I think that's maybe where that was going with her is mm-hmm. displacement. Right. Like I said, it wasn't like, okay, well, Marlene, because you don't have a relationship with your dad, which she did, and you're not around, which she was. We're just going to have babies and, and we're going to have our own little happy family and you guys are on the outside. That wasn't the intention at all. My, my big plan, Lori, all along was to have one big happy family and not having the one big happy pa- family for me was probably one of the more, more painful experiences of my life in all honesty. Yeah. And I can see that. And you see it all the time too, where the stepmoms, that's what we want. And mm-hmm. then when it doesn't happen, it just makes everybody feel like crap and things just go to crap. Yep. But yep. once we let go of that idea of having mm-hmm. the one big happy family, things are mm-hmm. so much easier. Mm-hmm. And that was big. That was really when it became a nacho kids for me, Lori. Like I, I had to step back. And there even came a time, Lori, we had lots of crises in our family. Uh, there came a time where I had to step out, like out completely from, mm-hmm. from that. So not only it was a kind of a progression of stepping back um, and always being supportive of my husband and his relationship with his kids. Like I never, ever wanted to interfere with that. Right. Uh, so it was always like, go talk to her, spend time with her, call her. You know, uh, my, ha- my, my stepson was in the military for a while. Um, and he was off in a- Afghanistan doing a tour there. And I said to my husband, tell him you love him, you know? So I was always encouraging of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when I stepped out, I always wanted to ensure that he was connected with his kids. Like I wasn't going to be there. Uh, but, um, that was okay. Cause at least he was still connecting. So here's where it became really difficult. Lori mm-hmm. is because of our little kids that really, really made it hard. That stepping out really made it hard because I, I, it was hard for them to understand. They were still fairly little hard for them to understand why they were going with daddy, um, to spend time with their older siblings, but mom, mommy wasn't there. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. So that was where it really, the nachoing thing was super difficult. Um, I just, it was, yeah, it was, it was a heartbreak for me. And it was one of the hardest moments trying to figure out, well, how is this all going to work now? Mm-hmm. My husband and I having conversations with, it was my therapist and I pulled him in. Um, and so uh, it, uh, after a while it became, uh, well, this can't, this is not sustainable. So we have to figure out she either shows up to the therapy sessions or she's made her choices. And it, it, so here, Lori, it came to the point where it was almost, uh, she's getting married this year. It was almost to the point where I was like saying, I can't go to that wedding in all good faith. 
um, because I just don't feel like I'm in integrity if I show up at that wedding because it's just going to all be bullshit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, that's how intense it got. And I think she saw it. And finally, we started going into family therapy, as I said. And uh, so we repaired enough that, you know, I, I mean, I went wedding dress shopping with her and her little sisters. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we are today. And I'm so excited about that. And I'm, you know, feeling super uh, grateful. I'm very blessed that we are in that spot today. That's all, honestly, that's always what I wanted too. you know, Mm -hmm. is to have that. But we kind of took a, like a circumnavigated kind of detour with multiple pit stops and roadblocks and a whole lot of uh, um, potholes along the way. Yes. So y'all just recently went to counseling together. Yeah. So we started about a year ago when we had a few months of it. Uh, So, um, so this is still pretty new, but I'm still pretty stoked about it, but I'm also the type of person that will take my ownership and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've asked her clearly on several occasions, is there anything more that I need to make repairs for? Um, So I still think there's some things that needed to be cleared out. Um, but I also know that it's not, it's, it's not just my agenda and my comfort level that I have to think about. It's other people's comfort level and their agenda. And she's super focused right now on getting married. And I'm super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that I think down the road, there's still some clearing out to do, if that makes sense. There's still some spots that we need to kind of take a look at. Right. And and like I said, that's what I want. I'm totally, uh, let's clear the garbage out. Let's take a look at the cobwebs and let's look in the dark corners and get it all cleared out. But not everybody um, likes to, to to work that way right now. Not everybody feels comfortable with that, that kind of uh, approach. So I'm very happy where things are. I'm very happy that we've healed our relationship. And so, as I said earlier, it made it really difficult for my two little girls. And now... Um, they are feeling much more secure that I have this good relationship with their older sister. So I, I can see that it has made a huge difference for them. Right. And, yeah. and, and that matters greatly. It really does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I know when I was um, completely disengaged from the stepkids, it was hard with my son. And it uh-huh. wasn't necessarily, um, I don't know if it was hard for him but it was hard for me because if he's always called David's kids the brothers. So mm-hmm. if the brothers mm-hmm. wanted to go somewhere, then mm-hmm. if he wanted to go and mm-hmm. I didn't really want him to go, then that's mm-hmm. where the conflict was because mm-hmm. it wasn't that I wasn't going, but it was I wasn't getting as much time with my son because he didn't mm-hmm. have the issues with the brothers that I did. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, something that we really try to stress to people is the goal of nachoing and stepping back is to be more self-aware, to be able to Mm -hmm. admit your contributions to the struggles, to, Uh you know, eventually re-engage with the stepkids. And I'm so glad that you have been able to re-engage with her because Mm -hmm. I know that means the world to you yourself, but also for your kids. Yeah, absolutely. That for me, like if we didn't have our own bios, I would have been totally fine given the circumstances. I would have been okay with however that rolled out. Like always supportive of my husband. So I can say that I wasn't going to go to the wedding because it wasn't in integrity for me. Mm -hmm. 
But at the same time, what would that have done to my husband? Right? Right. So there was always that piece that I needed to be really mindful of. And thank goodness we've repaired and healed. Um, so that's, you know, we're, we're making a, a, that's different. But I'm always still mindful, Lori, that, you know, um, it's still fragile. We're still pretty fragile at this point. Like it feels much better and it feels stronger. Mm-hmm. But to me, mm-hmm. it's still a fragile relationship. It's not like if I had a big issue with one of my own bios, um, I would have faith that that would be, yeah, shit, we'll work it out. You know, eventually down the road, if we're both willing, it will be all okay. And, and there's no question with that. Right. But I right. also know, like I said, this is kind of still, this is still a tenuous kind of situation that could potentially break. So I'm still really crystal clear. I'm very conscious uh, that this is still, you know, the dyna- dynamics of the step family, right? Yeah, yeah, because when you re-engage, it has to be on a comfort level that both of you are comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. if you try to force it, she's going to back mm-hmm. off and then you haven't made any progress. Or, you know, if she tries to force it and you're not ready, it's going to be the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've definitely, one of the biggest things for me in terms of, um. Uh, of of step family success uh, for me is definitely, um, and this is a, a really good friend of mine who's a, also a step mom. Um, and uh, her words of advice to me were take take the telescopic view versus the microscopic view. And oh my god, seriously, that's like a step step family step mom mantra for me. And that is, you know, take a look at the bigger picture and what this is going to look like down the road. Right, I'm married to my husband. My my purpose and uh, is not to be a mother to his kids. My purpose is being um, his wife and his partner in partnership with him, in teamwork with him. Um, and, and that's 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 the focus I have to take. Because I said all along, you know, his kids are going to grow up. His kids are going to get married. His kids are going to have their own families. They're going to move out. They're going to have their own thing. Um, but we have to fundamentally keep our marriage and our relationship healthy. Um, and so, you know, I'll do my own little segue here. That's part of the reason why I work with step couples. And uh, one of the biggest reasons I work with step moms is that pain point for me is I never wanted another step mom to feel the pain of rejection um, that I experienced. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I went in that direction. And by working with step moms, I realized, oh my God, the step family dynamics um, are a really huge reason why second time marriages with kids end up getting divorced. Yes. And so yes. that's kind of why I went in the directions that I did. I still work with step moms, but I really love working with step couples uh, for that very reason. Yeah. Okay, so tell us what you do as far as your work with stepmoms and step couples. Do you have, um, you know, a website? Have you written books? Um, do you do coaching calls? Do you do events? I sure do. So um, for me, as a result of all the work that I've done, you know, in in child protection and and my education and working with families, for me, fundamentally, having healthy relationships and healthy healthy family dynamics is super critical. Is fundamentally underneath it, it that's a family is the launching ground for for kids in terms of 
um, you know, having a healthy self-esteem and having healthy relationships and having healthy um, parenting kind of um, points of view and healthy parenting strategies and healthy relationships, strategies and dynamics and communication, all of those things kind of come from the family, our family experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's a culmination of the work that I've done before working with step families and my education. And so because it's so much more important with blended families and step families, you know, with kids, um, that's kind of my passion into my purpose, if you will. So I'm a, I'm a step I'm a successful step family strategist is what I call myself. And I love that. That's just something that's new for me, kind of coming up with what exactly it is that I do. So I, I, uh, I do events. I do retreats for step moms and that's so, so successful. Um, so let me back up there. I, um, as a result of my uh, step family dynamics and the challenges that we had, I was actually pulled in to a stepmom support group on Facebook. And right now um, I'm admitting that group. So there's about 550 of us all across Canada. And uh, so they were talking about getting together and, you know, because we've built good relationships online, but we wanted to get together in person. So I started doing retreats. Mm-hmm. Stepmom retreats are so good because it's an opportunity. And this is what I say about step families, stepmoms, um, stepdads, step couples is that nobody understands the challenges and the hurt and the pain and the dynamics of step family life like another step step parent, stepmom, yes. stepdad. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets that except for other people in in those situations. So that's why I'm always cautious about, you know, uh, step families or step moms going to therapy. Uh, because it's like, you know what, these dynamics are really special and very unique. Like we deal with all the stresses of everybody else, Lori, but then we're also dealing with a whole bunch of different dynamics that nobody in first time families ever have to deal with, right? Right. Court costs, parental alienation, um, intrusive uh, exes, or even high conflict exes mm-hmm. and children with grief and loss issues as a result of divorce or separation. You know, the list goes on and on and lots of first time families never have to contend with that. So we're dealing with all of those dynamics on top of, you know, the day-to-day dynamics of, you know, the economy is crappy. Um, I don't know if I'm going to keep my job and if I lose my job, then we can't, we can't have this house anymore. I can't pay my bills. Um, you know, I'm dealing with, um, an aging parent who I have to make sure that they're taking their medication and that they're somebody goes grocery shopping for them because they have, you know, dementia or something, or, you know, I have my sister whose husband is addicted and, you know, the kids are struggling. And so we have all those kind of typical stuff that everybody else deals with, you know, like a sick dog and, you know, um, little league and, uh, you know, piano lessons and how do we manage all that but we also deal with managing everybody else's um we don't have to manage it uh that's a separate issue but there's so many other layers that have to be considered and so this is my fundamental belief Lori, that if a staff couple can manage to overcome the hardest parts of their life you know research shows that the hardest parts blending is in the first seven years, seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get over that and you can come out on the other side, a solid step couple team, 
like, honestly, for me personally, step couples are the most resilient couples. Cause it's like, you know what? I went through hell, <laughs> trial by fire. Mm-hmm. And if I can make it through that, then you can't throw anything at me that there's, I, I won't be able to handle. Right. And I completely agree with that because once I started nachoing and, you know, eventually reengaging with the stepkids and we found our fit, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like David and I have a much stronger relationship than we ever yeah. did before we had the struggles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. It does. It That stress of the stuff going on with the stepkids does have an impact on your marriage, right? Otherwise, people wouldn't be divorcing or splitting up if it didn't. Right. Yeah. Well, and even our kids will tell you they know that our marriage has not been easy. They saw mm-hmm. the struggles we went through. I mean, because they were a great deal of it. But mm-hmm. they also appreciate and I guess respect us for pushing through and not getting divorced. Yeah. And here's the other thing too. I'm, I'm I'm a big researcher. I love to read and research about step family stuff. So give me books on step family dynamics and give me books on, you know, step mom roles and, and step mom, you know, trials and tribulations. I eat that stuff up. Like that is totally my, my thing that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And so research shows that, you know, um, I, I'm trying to break a little bit of, of not necessarily the barrier, but the stigma around step families too. That's that's part of why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of misconception out there that if you've been divorced, that you are damaged goods, and you know that if you have a step family, that it's second best to first time families. And that for me, I find uh, distasteful. Yes, and yes. Uh, it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be honest. I'm saying a lot of swear words on your podcast, so I might have to edit those out. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do the Jerry Springer bleep. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) But it it totally makes me, oh, it burns me when I hear stuff like that. Those misconceptions that, you know, we're, even though we're divorced or separated and, and, you know, a newly blended family or step family, blended and family. I, I kind of choke on the words a little bit of blended because it's not blending at all. Right. But anyways, um, I, I just find it offensive uh, when people have those misconceptions that just because, you know, you're a step and you have a step mom and a step dad that you're less than or that you don't have things as good anymore. Right. And, um, you know, we're not damaged goods. Um, and research shows that if you have a solid step family, then, you know, the outcomes for kids from strong step families are just as good as if their parents had never been divorced, like their bio parents had never been divorced. That for me fundamentally is kind of one of the, the fires in my engine, so to speak, in terms of doing what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. I too like to do research. Um, I guess that's something that, a lot of the stepmom coaches or whatever have in common is we like to do research. We like to help people. Um, mm-hmm. When I read that blended families did not even include step families, that it huh. was more based off race. Really? The creation of blended families was when it was a white couple and a black couple or a Japanese couple and a, you know, Caucasian American person, whatever. That that's where the blended right. family came from. But really? people didn't like the word step family. 
Uh, oh, yeah. It's a stigma, man. Still mm-hmm. is to this day. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So that's where it just kind of slid into being oh. blended family instead of step family because it sounded better. Right. Aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. I did not know that. So thank you for sharing that information with me. Yeah, I found it very interesting. And, you know, I too am not big on the blended family, um, mm-hmm. but apparently that's the word that people prefer. And mm-hmm. that's like bonus mom. I I don't like that word. I just Okay, I, I'm curious. I'm not a big fan of that one either. Tell me. I want to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I'm not a bonus anything to them. The way I look at it, I am David's wife. Mm-hmm. I am an extension of him. Yes. And I don't even like the word stepmom, because, not because of the step part, but the mom part. I uh-huh. wish we could come up with a different word because the mom puts too much pressure on us. Mm-hmm. And so when people say that they're a bonus mom, I understand why some people prefer that word. I do. And I also understand that some of the kids may actually refer to their step parents as a bonus parent. Mm-hmm. But for someone to say, well, I'm their bonus mom, uh, I just, it's it's hard Mm -hmm. for me to understand because Mm -hmm. I just don't look at it that way. They don't need another mom. They've got one. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I come from too, with the whole bonus mom thing. It's just really trying to pretty it up in a way that doesn't always necessarily work for everybody. Right. Now we do have um, Lisa Webb from the Buckeye Bonus Mom. Yeah. Right. And, you know, she considers herself a bonus mom, but Mm -hmm. her stepkids consider her a bonus mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's those, those dynamics are quite unique as well. So it's interesting because uh, right now, some of the other work that I do, so I work with families who are not your typical families, right? Mm -hmm. I, I am not a, I don't work with nuclear families. That's just not my, my cup of tea because I'm not. Mm -hmm. So my work right now, I work with foster families. I work with adoption families and I work with kinship families. So kinship is basically, you know, Lori, if you decide to take, you know, a good friend of yours kids, cause she's needing to, you know, maybe she's got a health, uh, health crisis and she needs you to take her kids for six months so she can fully recuperate. Right. Or if, I don't know if you have brothers or sisters, or if you take your siblings kids into your home or down the road, when your kids have kids, um, and you're, again, your, your son or daughter-in-law or whatever it is has to, you know, they have to go across country for six months. It's a high risk situation. So you raise your grandchildren. for six months. That's kinship. So I, I love working with families who just don't fit the, the mold, so to speak. That's kind of my gig. So, mm-hmm. um, foster families, uh, uh, call themselves like foster moms call themselves bonus moms too. So it's kind of interesting how that those kinds of conversations and dynamics are similar. Um, and this, some of the dynamics of, you know, ownership and claiming kids is also the same. Um, yes. So claiming, I think, is one of the bigger pieces uh, of, of, of challenge around that family dynamics. Yeah. You're right. You're dead right. That's, that's what it is. And that's mm-hmm. why it bothers me when... I see someone posting a Facebook group and they'll say, my daughter um, went to her bio moms or whatever. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're what? It's like it confuses me. I'm like, she's not your daughter. Mm -hmm. And 
I completely think that's overstepping. You can love those babies. I'm not saying you can't, but Mm -hmm. for me to say, well, my boys are going to their moms this weekend and Mm -hmm. that's, that's just wrong because they're, Mm -hmm. they're not mine. And we see it all the time where the stepmoms come in and they claim these kids Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. And then they think yep. when if they get divorced that they will still be entitled to time and a relationship with these kids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because if they, if, yeah, totally agree with you. And I think the part of the reason why you and I look at the bonus mom and kind of it feels a bit abrasive with us is because of our own personal experiences of needing to step out and step back. Um, you know, and it does, like I said, my daughter, my daughter and I, my stepdaughter and I, uh, we've, we've kind of stepped over that hurdle, Mm -hmm. but I still feel very cautious and conscientious of the boundaries. I, I don't feel like I've been able to repair that with my middle stepson who's in Australia with the grandchildren. And so that does have an impact on my relationship with grandkids. Um, cause I'm still very always cautious and conscientious of where those boundaries are. My older stepson, he doesn't really care too much and he's not super invested in the whole whatever. He's he's happy that his dad is happy and he doesn't really kind of buy into the step family politics, so to speak. Right. So, uh, yeah, our perspective is going to be different. But at the same time, I also kind of understand where some stepmoms who do claim the kids, I get why they claim them, you know, but I also am very conscientious of the ones that claim them that shouldn't be claiming them. And like you said, overstep, totally. There's, it's like, right. We don't have cookie cutter. Right. <laughs> yes. There is no cookie cutter. And not saying that there's not times that I don't refer to David's kids and my kids as our kids, mm-hmm. you know, because I'll say, yeah, our kids, da, 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 da. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember we were in, um, I think it was the Bahamas. We had went on a cruise and took all the kids. And some lady said something about, oh, mama, you have pretty boys or something, you know, because there's five of us. It's kind of hard to miss mm-hmm. all those kids. And um, <laughs> I looked at one of the kids to see what their reaction was, and they just started smiling and walked off. So they didn't feel the need to explain to this lady that she's not my mom. Mm-hmm. And normally my response would be, well, they're not mine, only the little mm-hmm. one. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm mm-hmm. just going to go with it. There's no reason that I need to tell everybody everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes exactly. just flow with it. Yep. Totally gotcha. Now, if they're acting like hoodlums, then yeah, I'll be like, those are not my kids. Those are not my <laughs> kids. <laughs> yeah. You can totally separate from that a little bit more, right? Yeah. Yes. Like you need okay. a shirt that says, these are not my kids. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But I think that um, it's like you said, the stigma that is attached to step families and stepmoms and the pressure that is put on stepmoms specifically to take over this motherly role and love them like your own and, you know, just treat them like your own unless it's disciplining them and then you're overstepping. No, it's just, it's too much. And yeah. We all have done it where we come in and we want that happy family. I guess it's yes. just natural to want it, yes. but it puts too much stress on us. And I remember, I say this all the time, that when I started the Nacho Kids, it was like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders. 
Mm-hmm. Same, same for me. Mm-hmm. You know what it was for me, Lori? It was just kind of one defining moment. I was talking to my brother who had gotten divorced um, and he remarried a woman that had three girls and he had two from his first marriage. And I was, I was on the phone in tears with him. So he, he walked with me um, as I was going through this step family dynamics, uh, the crisis that we had. And he says to me, why do they have to like you? And I stopped and I was like, you want them so much to like you. And I, I literally, Lori, felt like I was bending over backwards to make them like me. I was working my butt off to make yeah. this the one big happy family. And it kept backfiring and it hurt. It hurt so deeply mm-hmm. and so profoundly. But once he said that to me, it was like, they don't have to like you and you don't have to like them. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, and here's the funny thing, though, is it's normal and accepted and even expected that a stepkid mm-hmm. will not like their stepmom. But if a stepmom says they don't like their stepkid, girl, they're going to burn oh. you at the stake. It's totally true. You know what? Honestly, it is. It's another like witch hunt, isn't it? It is. It really is. Oh my gosh. So true. We're the, we're the new witches. And, yes. <laughs> and we even have Disney movies about that. Yes. Don't we? Uh-huh. Evil stepmom. Uh-huh. Lord have mercy. Whew. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, in all honesty, that, like I said, the pain points are really the drivers for me doing what I do. And uh, so I love my work with stepmom. So I, not only do I, I do retreats, but I do coaching with them um, and do a lot of self-esteem work with stepmoms and boundary stuff uh, with stepmoms and um, just focusing on I, what I call it is if you build a wall of positivity around you so high, none of the mess and none of the crap is going to, is going to filter through. And that's kind of the approach that I took with uh, couples. So I, I also do coaching with couples. Um, as a matter of fact, more of my training is with couples than it is with individuals. But I've also run uh, step couple retreats mm-hmm. just because my passion is all about, you know, we need some extra tools. We're not the same as other couples. We have way more stressors to deal with. So it's fundamentally more important to have a successful step couple team. And that's kind of where I come from. You, you work together, you work through your issues as a couple. Um, you know, you deal with the communication stuff, you figure out how you want to do this parenting thing, like the co-parenting thing in your own home, whether that's, you know, nachoing or teaming up in some other capacity, or you, um, you know, you basically have to figure those pieces out. So it's funny. I, I, uh, I launched into the coupling stuff and was doing my research again. And I found this book called uh, step coupling mm-hmm. by Susan wisdom. And I was using that as kind of the basis for my retreat. And I called her up and I said, look, you know, I love your book and you know, I'm using it as a basis for my retreat. And she says to me, well, would you like to buy my company? I'm like, what? <laughs> because she was, so that's how I got into the coupling piece, but really, truly, I, I, it was kind of like I was meant to go in this direction. Um, and I feel very passionately about, um, my work with both stepmoms and step because it, I, it's personal for me. Yes. Yes. It's personal for all of us. 
And I'm very much an educator, so I like to teach. So I also do classes and the retreats for me are immersive learning. um, And I get a lot of positive feedback back about that immersive learning. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I do. You know, we've got the Nacho Kids Academy and we do have several Mm -hmm. couples that have joined. And Mm -hmm. I like it when the couples join because you can, you're talking to both of them and you can say something. And even though... They've heard it before, but they're hearing it from somebody that's outside of the blend uh-huh. or their blend. It just uh-huh. takes a different um, approach uh-huh. with them. And a lot of times we'll see where the stepmom doesn't understand why the stepdad doesn't parent like she thinks he should. And, uh-huh. you know, then, of course, we talk about the guilty parent syndrome. Uh-huh. and. Apparently, it's called guilty dad syndrome, but it's everybody's got it. If you ask me, so oh yeah, it's not exclusive to dads for sure. Yeah. Not so we call it GPS, guilty parent syndrome, right? And, and when you tell the stepmom this, it's important for her to understand it. But you can see the light bulb go off in the dad's head because he's like, mm-hmm. "That's why." That's mm-hmm. why I can't be the mm-hmm. tough macho, I'm going to tear your butt up, dad, because I do have these guilty feelings, even mm. though the divorce wasn't my fault or yeah. whatever it may be. It's you feel bad because your kid is not in a nuclear family. Exactly. And my my husband definitely caved into the guilty parenting a lot. Not I, I, I shouldn't say a lot, but he, he was prone to the guilty parenting. And uh, he was prone to, um, you know, still feeling as a result of the divorce, even though it wasn't his choice, that he still had to do a lot of repairs. And so it caused a lot of grief in our our marriage, at the, or sorry, not our marriage, our relationship at the very beginning, because he felt like he always had to rescue his ex mm-hmm. for the sake of the kids. And Lord have mercy, that was, that was, ooh, that graded me big time. Oh, yeah. And so that was an issue that we had to work through, for sure. Yeah. Well, that was one thing I was going to ask you. I had him written in my notes was, so do you see your husband parenting your hours kids differently than he did his own kids? Um, it's, it's hard for me to say, cause again, his boys were older and didn't really need the kind of parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and all to be honest with you, there are a lot of similarities. So is he parenting our kids differently? Probably a little bit differently because I am not his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Like I have a different personality than she does. I have, you probably figured this out already, but now Lori, I have a strong personality. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a good thing. I don't have a problem with it. If everybody else does, that's their issue, not mine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we challenge each other. Like I hold him accountable. He, and he, by rights, he holds me accountable. Absolutely. We are a team. Um, but yes, I think he does parenting a little bit different, probably for a few reasons, not just because of me. Um, but you know, he's had three kids before he's at a different stage in his life. Um, but I do see it's a personality thing for him, um, as well. So Mm -hmm. was there some guilt and did he succumb to that guilt? For sure he did. Um, and I think he just trusts um himself a little more and and like I said I don't know if that's just solely because of his previous parenting experiences or because of age or because of me being his partner but Mm -hmm. I think he feels more confident and secure in his parenting role with our kids than he does with his other kids right yeah 
Well, he doesn't have to quote, quote, share them. Right. And he doesn't have to second guess his place in this. Right. And he doesn't have to worry, oh, if I discipline little Johnny, then he's not going to want to come back here. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So he knows he has relevance and importance because it's established as such in our home. Whereas when you're co-parenting and, you know, especially I think with dads who don't get their kids 50, 50, it's, it's always that, where am I relevant? Where am I important? Um, And you're right. That whole guilt, I think guilt ties in more Mm -hmm. in that way. Don't know for sure. Like I, I'm still a work in progress in terms of the, of the research on that. Right. But Mm -hmm. in my own kind of, experience and what I know thus far, I would say that, you know, um, guilty parenting and indulgent parenting happens more when you have, you know, every other weekend and a couple of times during the week. I don't know. I don't know. You know, too, you've done lots of research. What would you say about that? Well, it's interesting because my son, um, you know, typically he goes to his dad's every other weekend and a week Mm -hmm. each month during the summer and a week at Christmas. And I have guilty parent syndrome. You do? Yes, ma'am. So, I mean, we can't all do like a a whitewash of everything or whatever the term is, right? We can't Mm -hmm. just take a wide brush there. That's what I was looking for. A wide brush and kind of paint everybody with the same, you know, colors and brand and and ideas, right? Right. Interesting. But, you know, too, I wonder how much of it is not just because of the situation that his dad and I aren't together, but my mom was a very abrasive parent. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if part of my guilty parent syndrome mm-hmm. is actually me trying to be different than my mother was as a parent. Yeah, making up uh, with your own kids the stuff you didn't get as mm-hmm. a as a kid yourself, and that that is uh, a key component in how we parent for sure. That I know for certain because of the work that I do with you know, foster families and adoptive families. Yeah. Right. We, yeah, for sure. And that's actually part of uh, Susan Wisdom's book in terms of the step coupling pieces is clarification. Uh, so being aware of, of your previous relationships that you bring into your current relationship and your current parenting, mm-hmm. because it's not just, you, you know, your previous intimate relationships, you know, from the time you started dating at 16 to the time you married your current partner or living with your current partner, I'm not talking just about intimate relationships, but your, your um, family of origin issues, like how you were parented right. and the relationships that your parents had with each other has a, I, I see that all a lot on an almost daily basis. Mm-hmm. The type of way that I was parented and the relationship that my parents have has a huge impact on how I show up both in with my partner and with my kids, 100%. Right. Yeah. So I am curious if I would have had a different upbringing and my mom wouldn't have been um, as tough as she was, mm-hmm. if I would still have as much guilty parent syndrome with my son. But, you know, I know like come Wednesday when he's going to his dad's on Fridays, I start mm-hmm. getting sad. Mm-hmm. And then if he does something to aggravate me, the last thing I want to do is holler at him right before he goes to his daddy's. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know what, Lori? If you're asking those really hard questions, that's always a good thing. It's a painful thing, but it's a good thing. And it's a necessary thing to be mindful and aware of what you bring and how you show up with your kids. 100%. 
Right. Because we can't grow if we don't research this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So I'm glad that you're asking that question. You know, how would I be different if my mom was different? Right. Important questions to ask. It is. And you know, in all honesty, I think sometimes we as step families and step moms, we, it's hard for us to ask those tough questions. I think for anybody it is, but I don't know, for some reason I would hazard to say that it's, there's almost more at stake or it feels like there's more at stake. Yeah. Because we already feel like we're being judged by everybody else. And then it's, it's hard to look at yourself and find um, weaknesses or how you're not contributing in a positive way to things or to look at yourself and find issues or problems. And it's, the way that I look at it is if I can look at myself and find things that I can do to better myself, then all it is going to do is better the people around me. Oh, Lord, you got it. You nailed the hammer on the head because that's that's how I look at it too. Yeah. Absolutely. Hard, painful work, but work that will reap the benefits in so many ways that you haven't the slightest idea of what it's going to do. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the stuff that we learn as step families and step couples and step moms, yeah. we carry that into everyday life, whether it's dealing with impatience yes. at the grocery store or, you know, dealing with somebody driving crazy behind you and instead of slamming on brakes for them to run into you, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to calm down. You know, we, we learn yeah. so much. And oh. one of the things that I have um, really taken away from the whole Nacho Kids thing and that we really mm-hmm. try to um, teach a lot in the academy is changing your thinking. Yes. And I know yeah. this may sound extreme, but if if you have a friend that has a child that's dying from cancer and they can mm-hmm. put a smile on their face and wake up every day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then the, what you're dealing with with your stepkids is nothing. Yeah, it's perspective for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in all honesty, I I have, I in, in a lot of ways, this sounds a little warped. It kind of sounds like I'm a bit sadistic, but I'm not. <laughs> I... <laughs> I honestly would not be the person I am if I had not gone through all those step family crises. Yes. I would not. So as painful as that was, um, as gut-wrenching and soul-wrenching as that whole experience was, I am profoundly thankful and grateful for that experience. Yes, ma'am. Because it has made me a much more aware much more compassionate, mm-hmm. much more focused person. And I would yes. never have gotten to be who I am. And by the way, I'm damn awesome. Have to say. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you. Appreciate that you agree with me. You didn't have to, but you know, I really am super thankful that I have this shift in perspective that I have right now. And I never, ever would have had that experience had I not gone through the fire. And yes. not to say I'm fire free, right? I'm not right. to say that I'm fire free down the road because Lord knows, right? Yeah, but now you're smart enough to put on the fireproof socks before you walk in the fire. Darn tootin', right? And that's mm-hmm. why I feel fundamentally so passionate about the work that I do is because, you know, again, that whole microscopic versus telescopic view. When you're in the microscopic view, you are you are sinking in the quicksand. Yes. Path. Like it's up to your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, but ma'am. I I know the good that has come from 
from sinking in the in the sand. I'm still I'm still coughing up the coughing up the sand every mm-hmm. once in a while, but it's a very humbling experience, and humbling is not a bad thing. No, um, ma'am, you're right. It, it, I I'm reading a lot of Brené Brown right now, and holy smokes, um, it really fits with step family life and step family dynamics, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. We went through these trials and these struggles to where we could help people. Yes. And that's our purpose. Your purpose yes. is the same as mine to yes. help step families not get on the verge of divorce like we were and to not dread coming home and to not hate their stepkids and to feel like they just want to disappear. You know, because yes. if we can come back, you know, from my experience with David and I, we came back from the brinks of divorce. And we mm-hmm. have a great relationship. And mm-hmm. like you said, I'm not saying it's all unicorns and rainbows because, you know, we're yeah. people. We still have disagreements and things like that. But we have learned to better cope with things. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's made me a stronger person and yeah. a more self-aware person. And mm-hmm. I just, I too, I'm so very thankful that we went through this. Now, if you would have asked me when we were going through it, Oh, if we were thankful, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. This is the craziest <laughs> crap ever. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. Like yeah. in that moment, it's like you you are not thankful for anything. Um, and you are filled with a lot of hurt and anger and sometimes spite and all sorts of stuff and resentment. And those are not pretty places to be, but you can get to the other side. That's for right. sure. And you can get to the other side and still be with your partner too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, Allie, it has been wonderful talking to you. Oh my gosh, Lori, I loved it. I can't even tell you. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. It was. And we'll have to do it again. Of course we will. I'm thinking yeah. the exact same thing. Yes. Because I think that um, a lot of people need to hear what we got to say. <laughs> I- I agree too. And here I thought I was just being a little bit, you know, hmm, I'm all that, but <laughs> I'm glad you agree. Well, you know what? If you don't think you're all that, nobody else is going to think it either. Well, yeah. Pity for them then, hey? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I used to have this issue with um, like, quote, quote, tooting my own horn. And mm-hmm. I worked with a lady one time and she said, honey, mm-hmm. nobody else is going to toot it for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's all how you roll with it, right? You shine. Um, and there's nothing wrong with shining because everybody should shine, right? Yes. Um, but it's all, you know, there's, there's people that are arrogant, but I fundamentally believe that the arrogant people have some self-esteem issues underneath. You shine yes. and you bring everybody with you. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you again. And we wish you the best and tell people real fast how they can find you and get in touch with you. I have uh, a website called stepcoupling.com. So www.stepcoupling.stepcoupling.com. Um, I have a Facebook page for stepmoms. It's step by step mom. Um, I also have a Facebook page for my step coupling. So it's successful uh, step coupling. Um, as I said, both on Facebook. I'm uh, on Twitter uh, at Ali underscore Wilkes. W-I-L-K-S and Allie is A-L-I. And uh, I'm on Pinterest at Stepmom Tips. And uh, goodness sakes, I'm on Instagram too, su- successful step coupling. So 
I've got a few places I can send you links if you want them for a little bit later on. Yeah, that'd be great. So I don't have to look them up. (laughs) I'm all over the place. Yeah. I'm not everywhere, but I'm all over the place. Yeah, I need to uh, get more involved with Instagram. And recently, someone mentioned Pinterest. So it's funny that you're on there um, because I may be coming to you for some tips. Oh, that's great. Oh, awesome. For sure. Yes. I'd be happy to help. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation, Laurie. I really appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure. It has. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Me too. Talk to you soon. You bet. Bye. Bye. Allie's stepdaughter was not happy about them having kids of their own. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you and I had talked about when we were dating and started getting kind of serious was you didn't want any more kids. Mm-hmm. And I really think if you would have only had one or two, I would have wanted another one. Yours is enough. Because, <laughs> you know, I just, I wanted another baby. I love being pregnant. I love babies, blah, 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 blah. But knowing what I know now of the struggles that blended families have when you add an hour's child, that would not have been good. Mm -mm. Not saying that you shouldn't have an hour's child. I'm just saying it completely changes the blend. We have an hour's child. She is very, very furry. Yes. (laughs) We have a daughter. (laughs) And then we have a son, I guess, too. (laughs) A first son. A first son. Yeah. But anyway. A step dog. A friend of mine had went through this, and I had talked to her about it when David and I were dating, and she had had a daughter of her own, and he had sons of his own, and then they had an hour's baby. And she just let me know some of the struggles that she went through with that, and not everybody goes through those struggles, but it definitely adds something to the blend for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how all that would have played out. And a lot of times the stepkids think, well, you should have asked me before you got pregnant. You should have got our input (laughs) on whether we wanted another kid or not. I remember before we got married, a guy told me, don't get married until your kids moved out. Yep. And we thought he was crazy. And I was like, whatever. (laughs) And then about two years in, I was like, shouldn't have got married until they moved out. (laughs) But... A lot of people have the mistaken thought process that once they move out, all the issues go away. That is not true. That definitely is not true. This blended stuff is a, I don't know, I was about to say beast of its own, but that's not right. It's a constant challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a lifestyle, which is why the Nacho Kids method is a lifestyle. Right. Right. It's not just, oh, let me learn to disengage. Yeah. And it's not, hey, I'm going to be a, a, I'm part of a blended family every other week. Right. You're always part of a blended family. Mm-hmm. Whether just, they come in or going or moved out or older. I mean, we've got people that we know that have kids that are 30s, 40 years old, and they still have blended family issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't go away, but don't let that deter you. <laughs> I was going to say, people are like, oh my God, it's not going away. I know that people are probably thinking, I knew I should have never married him, or this isn't going to get better, and it's going to be a lifelong torture, but that's not the case. Nope. What you need to do is what we didn't do. You need to start getting help before you start struggling. Yeah. So, for instance, if you join the Nacho Kids Academy now, then... Guess what? When you have grandbabies from the stepkids, you'll know more about how to handle those situations. You won't have to 
be stuck in it and be like, oh, I'm not their real grandma and they don't get to call me grandma and, you know, all those emotional things that go with it. So you learn how to deal with those things before they happen. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, as you were talking, I just had this visual in my head about like a guy in the ocean and he's, you know, at what point do you ask for help? Do you wait until you're completely underwater and drowning or the first sign that, oh, I'm not going to make it unless I get help? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> if you wait till you're underwater, nobody's going to hear you. Yeah, that's my point. Nobody can help you at that point. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of people, that's when they start looking for help. Well, that was us. Yeah. And we were, I think we're one of the fortunate ones because most people that get to that point can't come back from it. And it's not because there aren't things out there that can help them. It's just because there's already been so much damage to the relationships and, the, and people are just kind of mentally and emotionally done. It's hard. That does it, David. We are going to do a pre-marriage slash pre-shacking up <laughs> nacho <laughs> course in the academy. We we could do a whole separate thing, like like a weekend retreat. We can't do that right now. Nobody's going anywhere, remember? We could do a virtual retreat. Yes, we could. <laughs> and we need to talk about that, yeah. by the way. Side note, David. Side note. Yeah. We've got a couple of things coming up Yeah, that um, will help you with your blend. Yeah. It would be interested, though, like for those people who hung around to the end of the podcast, <laughs> like who would be interested in, a, and I'm not talking about in the next couple of months or anything, but, you know, an actual live retreat. Not not a conference where there's 100 people, but a retreat where there's a dozen or less and spending time on your, your relationship. That'd be interesting to do. You're talking about live, not as in Zoom call live, but as in... Yeah, like live, like what Allie does. I don't know if you got into that in an interview, but... Yeah, um, like physically live. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And from the input that I got, a lot of people are interested. Yeah. But there's a lot to that. And that's... Not something we can definitely plan in a month or two because you have to look at the proximity of somewhere that we can stay to an airport so they don't have to rent cars. And Oh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of logistics around that. But I already have my catering taken care of. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens when you have a best friend that's a chef. I'm not a chef. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> okay, okay. That's what happens <laughs> when you have a second best friend that's a chef. He was your best friend before I came along. That's true. Everybody's like, a he? Yeah, that's a whole nother subject. Yeah, you got to be secure in your relationship. And he still owes you a hundred bucks, too. He sure does, because I took that cake and shoved it in your face. Mm -hmm. He bet me and didn't pay me. Yep. What's his name again? (laughs) I don't know if he'd want me to say his name. I'll find him and choke him out for not giving me my money. (laughs) As long as he owes me money, I won't be broke. (laughs) That's right. Hey. If he does the catering for an event for us, for nothing but the cost of the food... We might call it even. You will call it even. Look at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can get a bird king and get a cook. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Since he don't listen, I can say that. <laughs> I'm going to tell him to listen to this. I'll be like, dude, just listen to the f- last five minutes. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we go? Nope. I think that's it. All right. That was our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening and hanging out till the end. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, we are asking for some reviews. So go to uh, Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave us a review. Uh, prefer a good one. Uh, <laughs> but if you have to leave a bad one, I mean, okay, it is what it is. 
but we really would like a good one. Um, and uh, we will see you here next Friday. So join us again next Friday when you hear Lori say, We got another winner to the Nacho Kids Academy Sylvia Crack Hour Scholarship. <laughs> and for once, you will actually hear her say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, have a great week. And remember, life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.